Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Welcome to episode 60 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey with myself, Steve Peralt, and special co-host today, my dad. The Red Sox won a super important series this weekend against the Royals. How you doing, dad? Very good, Stephen. It was riveting watching that that series as little <laughs> as I did this weekend. <laughs> I tuned into every game, and it was big. Hey, 20 hits today. How about that? Well, it makes up for the three they got on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still yeah. found a way to win that game, which was impressive. But uh, eight, um, eight, walks, eight walks will do that for you. That will do that. That will do that. So Joey is in New Orleans. I think he's calling in at some point during this show. So... Uh, we might be joined by one Joey Capone. He was at the Saints-Bucks game. He got to see Tommy Brady get a win, and he's down there for his buddy's bachelor party. So shout out to Joey. He has survived, which is good. Their place was on Bourbon Street, so I was a little concerned uh, for my buddy Joe. But it seems like they had fun, and uh, he, he might be calling in at some point. So we will see. A couple of stats from this series. Uh, Xander Bogarts got his 1,400th hit. With the Red Sox, I'm just I love using the stats of my guy JP. He's the PR guy with the Red Sox. So just shout out to you, Justin, because I'm using a lot of your stats today. But Red Sox players with 1400 hits before turning 30 Carl Yastrzemski, Bobby Dorr, Jim Rice, and now Xander Bogarts. Very impressive list to join. Uh, most starts in a season at age 42 or younger in Red Sox history. David Wells, 24 starts in 2005. Rich Hill is now at 23 at the age of 42. He's got 23 starts this season for the Red Sox. That ties him with Tim Wakefield for 42 and older group. And fan graphs, we've been following this all season long. They finally have the Red Sox at 0.0% chance of making the postseason. Dad, I know you were hanging on. I know you really thought that they were going to go undefeated to end the year here. Uh, but just so you know, it's finally over. They're not making the postseason. Yeah, that's kind of the reason that last weekend there was only one reporter at Camden Yards while there were 21 <laughs> reporters at the Patriots game. Yeah, that was the reason. That had to, that had to be it. I mean, even yeah. if they go undefeated here, I think they got, what, 16 games left? That would put them at 87 and 75. They're fighting for 500. You probably don't think it's going to happen, right? Over 500 this season? I don't think so, especially, uh, Steve, where they're experimenting with some players. Uh, if yeah. they have the Almonte guy play one more game in center, <laughs> they, that, that assures that doesn't happen. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough for oh, the Yankees series there. But, uh, yeah, they haven't been under 500 since 2015. Obviously, I'm not counting 2020. In a full season, it's been seven years since the Red Sox were under 500. Only one time in the last 28 years – have they been under 500 in back-to-back seasons? So if you're looking for a silver lining, that could be a little something to look at. It was 2014 and 2015, the only time in the last 28 years the Red Sox have had back-to-back seasons under 500. Going to dive right into topics here. First one is Kevin Ploiecki getting DFA'd. I know uh, we were watching Pats and Sox. We're kind of flipping back and forth today. And I think you and I briefly talked about what the catching situation is going to be for the Red Sox next year. And Ploiecki, I didn't necessarily see this coming. I thought they would have kept him on through the end of the season. 
Uh, he was hitting 217 in 61 games this year. They called up Franklin Herman, uh, who was part of the Ottavino deal coming over from the Yankees. He was a starter, but uh, they converted him to a reliever this year. 43 relief appearances, 5-2 and two with a 271 ERA. Didn't really look great in his first outing this weekend, but again, this is uh, a big part of DFAing Kevin Plawecki is to create space for other guys to now use this last 16 games as an audition. Um, I know one big thing with Plawecki, the average obviously isn't great, but that's not why you had him is being a clubhouse guy and being important on this team with some of the younger players. How much do you factor that in with guys the Red Sox bring on? Do you think I, I care a lot about it, but I know people have differing opinions on how much the clubhouse guy matters. Uh, I mean, it matters assuming you can kind of carry your weight, but uh, he initially came here as a defensive catcher and it seems like his defense has actually waned while he's been here. Yeah. Uh, he used to occasionally throw guys out. I, I don't know what his percentage was. It was abysmal. Uh, and I think that was the death knell. And I was the one I brought up to you. It seemed a little unusual to move away from a veteran this late in the year. I guess they don't need anybody to push the home run cart. You know, somebody else will have to take that job. But uh, they, uh, uh, at the same time, uh, Cora mentioned it's hard with just a few guys you can bring up now. I think of this in the past when you get a 40-man roster, whatever, however crazy it was. There's never 40, but there were probably you know 35 guys there. Then I don't think you do it, but I, I guess I get it. You know, you got to see I, McGuire. I'm assuming he's kind of, he's playing better for the Sox in his career, but to see a little more Connor Wong makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I think, you know, we'll mention McGuire and Wong in a second. I, I just, these are the kind of things I care about. The home run card is actually something that I did want to briefly talk about because I think going into this season and shout out to the Red Sox. Uh, I don't know if it was, I think it's gotta be the social team that put together this cool video of, of Pawecki with the home run card and that it's back and all that. And I was actually pretty excited. I know last year it was a huge deal. It started in the COVID season. I think Veritech and Plawecki were behind that in the 2020 year that honestly, I think that's the only really positive thing to remember from that season. But it, it felt like, it felt like, I don't know, may, maybe you didn't need it for this year. And the longer this year has gone on, I think it's given some of the Red Sox naysayers something to point at. It's like, oh God, they're, they're 10 out and they're still doing the home run card. I think people need to like, those are the kind of things that kind of drive me nuts, though, because if you're going to commit to a to a season, you're obviously going to do it for the whole season. You're not just going to, OK, guys, we're out of contention. Let's stop doing our, our home run celebration, in the dugout. But I care about these celebrations. I care about team celebrations. I think they matter. I think they keep a club together. I just think it's probably the home run cart was nice, but I'm fully ready for the next dugout celebration for the Sox. I think it's time for something fresh. And we'll have to see what that ends up being. I know you you probably when do you think this even started? Because when you were watching games growing up, there, there wasn't a home run cart in the dugout. It seems like the team celebration thing is is really pretty recent, last five, ten years. Oh, absolutely. You and I had the conversation a few weeks ago that supposedly isn't that Dusty Baker who started the high five? I couldn't uh, believe it. Joey told me that. Yeah. I, I had never heard that in my entire life that Dusty Baker invented the high five like in the 80s. Yeah, so uh, I think, but that's it. That's everything in a nutshell. If you only had a high five since the '80s, you know that was celebration in the '80s with somebody giving <laughs> someone a high five. So yeah. home run carts and guys doing bat flips and other things. Uh, there was none of that then, you know. Yeah. So you don't you don't care much for the home run cart or like wind dance oh. for Pete that didn't do much for you. 
No, I, I don't mind it. I mean, I uh, I know your mother likes it, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I I do think it has, and the fandom is is broader than it was in the sixties and seventies. So I think you have to adapt at times, you know. And obviously, the there's uh, there were Latin players then, but not the a number of Latin players now who bring a lot of enthusiasm to the game. I'm not trying to generalize, but I overall I think there's more joy with the Latin players than there is yeah. with some of the American born players. I think not always, but I think that's generally fairly true. Uh, uh, I think they have so much competition to get there uh, far greater than American born players. Cause it's their one opportunity probably to play in the bigs. And so who can blame them for celebrating? So I think it's fine. Uh, I, I'm not going with you. Maybe you should freshen it up every now and then. And by the way, you kind of softened, uh, German's uh, performance. I was looking at the stats this morning. He literally has an infinity ERA because he, yeah, like he didn't get an out, right? He, yeah. Two hits, two walks, and allowed four runs. It's not great. No it's way to go, but no way to go but up. No, it wasn't wasn't an ideal debut. But I mean, at that yeah. point, the game was over. I was kind of watching halfly. I'm like, oh, okay, it doesn't look like it's going great. Oh, and would you look at that? We are joined from New Orleans by the uh -huh. one and only Joey Capone. What's going on, Joey? Oh, nice to hey, get man. out of bed, Joe. <laughs> yeah, this is about as much effort as I'm willing to do right now. I don't know what I sound like to you guys. I got my own mic over here, so if I don't sound yeah, great you, to you, just ignore that. Is That's... is the mic? Is your mic? Uh, is it selected on on Streamyard as the audio? No, I'm, no, I'm recording. Screen? I'm recording on uh, the Zoom here, so don't don't mind what I sound like on this. I'm going to sound different over here. Oh, I'm I'm not rolling on QuickTime, so like this is only Streamyard. Then this is going to be horrible to edit. I feel bad for whoever's editing this show. No, I'm saying you can't. Oh, so that's not going to plug into the into the laptop. Zero chance. No, so it's actually not. It, Joey doesn't sound that bad. If anything, no. it's like yeah, we we head to the road with Joey Capone. This sounds like you're on the road, so I think it actually fits. Right. Perfect. All right, I'm going to keep holding the mic to feel like I'm doing something, <laughs> yes. and just not edit the mic footage in at all, audio no, in at all. No, you're you're, you're how, totally how are you doing? How's how's uh the northeast? I miss it so much. Oh, it's it's wonderful. But I it, this doesn't it doesn't matter how we're doing. How's New Orleans? Uh I mean this town is this town's something else. This town yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. I'll say that. I went to the Saints Bucks today. Uh yesterday I went on uh a, a big fishing excursion in the bayou. There you go. Nice. Uh, day before that, I was on a riverboat on the Mississippi river. And uh, tonight I think I'm just trying to survive, dude. I mean like five days here. It's too much. You That's can't do it. Yeah. You start to lose your brain a little bit. Like the people that live here, they're, they're living on a different plane, man. Like they're out here wearing skirts and like dressed like Homer Simpson. And like, I'm not ready for that. You know? Yeah. So yeah, the longer you're here, the closer you drift closer to that, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, so trying to avoid that, but it's it's been great here, man. It's been great. I loved. Here's the big thing. I've loved watching the Sox while I'm here, <laughs> taking time yeah. out of my day every day to watch nine innings, twenty seven outs, every single pitch of every Sox game, <laughs> which I've totally done. Yeah. What's your biggest takeaway from the series after watching every pitch? Ah, there's so many. How do you boil it down? I know you. Can't I know. So many takeaways. I mean. You and I were talking about even before the Yankees series, like so many things on the line, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of implications. That's what we were saying. Yeah. Implications. Yeah. That's the word. Thank you for remembering. Yep. Cause I couldn't, 
implications. Yep, yep. So many implications, man. Uh, Twenty Bobby hits Witt today. That, that was big. Yeah, Witt Bobby Junior's Witt cool. does doing the same thing as Pedroia. You know, swinging mm. before he gets in the box. That's cool. Uh, I think that might be the biggest one. Yeah, it was the biggest <laughs> takeaway for you. <laughs> that was, that was the big takeaway. Plawecki, obviously, that stinks, man. Bradford got some good quotes from from Nate and Rich. I thought that was really telling. That really yeah. opened my eyes. I mean, when guys are willing to speak like that, I got a reply on my tweet because I quote tweeted uh, that that uh, Bradford clip, and I got a I reply. Like Bradford's paying you. You mentioned Bradford in every show. I think he's paying you to to mention him on here every episode. W e e i had some really great quotes. There you and, go. And uh, <laughs> I got well, quote by, by the way. Yeah. No, I know. Yes. No, I know. Odyssey is- had some great quotes. That's there we right. go. And yeah. <laughs> remember who our parent company. Yes. Yeah, our parent company Odyssey, who I love very much, very much. Of course, uh, of course. They uh, uh, had some quotes from Nate and Rich, and I quote tweeted it and just said like, "Oh man, this is this is really telling." You know, these guys are really really speaking their minds here. And somebody said something that really stuck out to me. I think they just worded it really great. And I always have respect for people that are able to word something perfectly. And I think this this Twitter user really did. And uh, he said, I think guys are frustrated that they're not being rewarded for how last year ended. And I think that's a great way to sum up this year. That they were like, okay, I thought we would have been all in. We were two wins away from going yeah. to the World Series. You'd expect us to cash in and move forward. And Nate mentioned by name Kyle Schwarber and Hunter Renfro. And he's like, those are not only clubhouse guys, but obviously huge contributors on the field. It, it, it just felt like, uh, I think that person summed it up really great when he was like, uh, these guys are probably frustrated that this team isn't close to that. I'm probably frustrated with the people upstairs that that they didn't cash in and, and go all in for it. And yeah, I think that's I, the I, biggest I, takeaway from this is the Ploiecki and the, and the, what, the ripples from that, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, there's a lot of frustration to go around and a lot of it going into this year. And I think, Joey, we talked about this in our preview episode of our season preview episode of everyone's going to have to click. Like, you know, I I think we looked at last year as like, oh, you got two wins away from a World Series. Uh, You were also two losses away from just missing the playoffs. (laughs) So it was it was so close that you barely even made the playoffs. Obviously, the wild card game goes well. The DS goes well, and then you get a series lead in the ALCS. That kind of made us forget about the fact that they almost even just straight up missed the playoffs. So, yeah, I think a lot of things needed to click. And I I know for an ITM 60 for the pregame show on Friday, I was just talking about the bullpen. And the opening day bullpen, if you go down the list, it is just DFA, DFA, DFA. Brazier like a 6 ERA. Matty Barnes, we know the up and downs that, that he's been through. You were really banking on a lot of guys to do well. I forgot Schreiber wasn't even on the opening day roster. He, he got called in Worcester. He was yeah, Worcester. he started in Worcester. So it was like, that's a guy that's, that's been... That's crazy. He was a savior for them, and he wasn't even on the opening day roster. And obviously, we know the deal with Whitlock and you know going back to the rotation and back to the bullpen and all that. But no, I, I think it is you know valuable to talk to guys like Evaldi that have been there, done that, and have been around this specific core... And, and kind of seeing how, you know, everything goes down here. But overall, uh, with the catcher situation, Reese McGuire has been hitting 394 since he joined the Red Sox. That's 26 games played. I was curious. I thought it was way more than Vasquez, but it's basically the same. Vasquez, 25 games uh, for the Astros, hitting 247. And I know more of those are probably uh, not starts than mm-hmm. than uh, Reese has gotten for the Sox. But 
Overall, McGuire's got a 923 OPS with the Red Sox after going, I believe, three for four on Sunday. Vasquez, 544 with Houston. So, Dad, I am curious of your opinions, your thoughts. I, I would say between the deadline of, like, where you were at when they traded him and now where you're at seeing a lot of McGuire and a little Connor Wong uh, as well. Uh, yeah, I think one of the big losses, almost touching on what Joey's saying about Policki, is Vasquez's value to the team beyond his yeah. stats. Uh, so I, I, and clearly it had an effect. Uh, a fan can always say, well, look, these guys are paid to play baseball. And whether a guy comes or goes, it's part of the business, and they'll always say that. But I think they were affected by him being traded. You know, uh, the fact that McGuire statistically is better than him. Uh, I don't know if that fully translated. I mean, you never know if Vasquez had stayed here. Would that have translated to two or three wins? I don't know. It's hard to mm. say. Because uh, you're right. They removed some guys from the chemistry from last year who were good chemistry guys. And then, you know, I, I think, Heim, you're right. The margin of error for this team going into the year was so marginal because, it, you know, it's most of the scribes picked exactly what the shorthanded where they were shorthanded, a right-handed hitting outfielder, not enough depth in the bullpen, and all the starters are going to have to go and other guys are going to have to step up, most of which didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that that definitely hurt you a lot. And catcher-wise, though, I mean, do we feel, does this does this crew right here feel good with with uh, McGuire and Wong for next season? Are you, you good with that, Joey? I mean, I'm fine with it, but that's not the that's not the point because it's not 2023 yet. The but thing this, is, the, it's, a, a big point of this is like it's a more time for them to catch, more time for them to audition for 2023. I guess, but like, isn't that what spring is for? No, that I mean, these are real games. That that's you know, you got what sure, but MLB like, games left. I think the point that Nate and Rich Hill both made was like, look, there's two weeks left, and these games really don't matter can we not no, keep the, the guy that don't. we all like around like this guy is the dj on the bus he's the dj in in the clubhouse he's the guy who inspired the theme song of the postseason last year he's the guy who's who takes guys out fishing on days off like he's everybody's friend do we understand he's hitting 160 we know that but can we not keep him around for two weeks like we need that one roster spot. Like, you need that one roster spot? Okay, uh, Abraham Almonte is still on this team. Correct. Maybe maybe that's the guy you get rid of? Yeah. Like, if you need, desperately need that one spot, there's no way he's the bottom of the list. Like, statistically or intangibles-wise. It just, I think that's what's so upsetting for the players and for me, too. When I saw that, I was like, no way. Like, there's so little time left. There's no way that these these two week auditions are really going to mean anything, you know, like you and I, I don't think any of us, any three of us believe that Frankie German coming out and, and giving up, you know, letting the four batters he faced all reach base means that he stinks period means right. that there's no way that he ever makes it in the major league. We don't believe that. So like, what are these two weeks really going to tell you? Well, they'll tell you more than not having these two weeks. I think that you got to salvage whatever you can for the rest of the way. And I'm not, I mean, again, I'm sure most guys in the clubhouse, you think Nate Evaldi's going to give you a quote of like, yeah, I'm fine with Pulecki being gone. He's like, come on, they're buddies. They're buddies I mean, that's what, you, that's what you'd expect. You'd expect him to be like, 
hey, yeah, it's a business and we're going to miss him and blah, blah, blah. That's what you'd no. expect. For him to speak out this race. much, for him was to speak up much? and be like, what that upsets me. I'll have to see me. the quotes. I, I, I'll have to see what the quotes actually are. I can't think. He, he, said like, I'm, he said, like, I'm very disappointed in the decision. I think we should have left him. Well, Especially, I, Joe, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Steve, I do think the point Joey's making is there are guys on this, whatever it is, 27, was it a 28-man roster now? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's, there's other guys you could, yeah. There's other yeah, guys yeah. that I don't even want to see at all. So if it, I understand if Prolicki doesn't play for the last two weeks, I get that, you know. Uh, but I, you and I have had the same conversation against Jackie Bradley. I don't think Jackie was as sociable probably as Prolicki. But what did they really gain by getting rid of Jackie, we had to pay him for the rest of the year. You know, uh, I actually think they would have won a few games. I actually, you know. I think Jackie has more value than Plawecki. That's for sure. I, I would make more of the on-field case for Jackie staying. Yeah. But I think you could have kept both of them, given how marginal, because I, I was reading a thing in the Globe today about how Bloom says, we're going to have some tough decisions on the 40-man roster. And I was looking at some of the guys on it now. I said, I'm not sure they're that tough. I think there's about six or seven guys on it now, including Jeter Downs. Does anyone think Jeter Downs is going to be a player? No. You know, so there's no. six, six or seven guys now that you could take off. That there's the seven guys you could add to it. You know, so then and and everybody they cut basically, at least ninety percent of them, don't get picked up by anybody when they designate someone for assignment. How many get picked up? Uh, Austin Davis was he the only one? I think. Yeah, everyone I, I else think just kind of. I think he's the only one this year. Yeah, that that tells you something, right? That tells you where your roster's at. Yeah, correct. No, if if that's going to be the case, then obviously it shows you that you don't have a lot of depth that's going to be valuable by other teams. But yeah, I mean, either way, it's it's hard for me to get like too emotional. And Plawecki was great. Plawecki's one of the one of the handful of guys that I would consistently talk to. There's not many, and you know, most of the guys on this roster are very, you know, get there, play ball, and don't really want to do a lot of the schmoozing. Plawecki kind of had that fatherly figure amongst a team that has a lot of younger players. And I, I think that was that was valuable. That mattered. And having that around mattered. And I'm, I'm sure guys that he was close with, like Avaldi and other, you know, Rich Hill, other guys that look out for each other. You know, veterans are always having each other's backs. Obviously would have preferred that he was here for the last two weeks, but... Overall, I mean, so I mean it's, we were we were around yeah. Michael Waka. We weren't talking to him, but we kind of yeah, overheard yeah. a conversation yeah. with him. And yeah. he said, Ploiecki's basically my PC. He's like, yeah. I've never had one before, but he's like, I would pick him just because like I, I love the guy and I have a great time with him. And whenever there's a day off, we go and do something. He's always making me laugh. He's so fun. And just was standing there talking strictly about Kevin Ploiecki. Yeah, about it's what These a great guy he is. Yeah, of course, it's one of those things. Like you're not in the hunt for wins, so why like cut some fat here because you might be able to sneak out a win? That's obviously not like not what we're talking about. We don't think that's their motivation. Their motivation is to try to get some guys up and get some time. It, it just to me really felt like the wrong place to cut fat. I'm just I'm not on board with it, and I'm sure that a lot of the guys in there are not. It sounds like a lot of the guys in there are not. They're not really being quiet about it seems like the kind of thing these guys would be quiet about and they're and they're just not I, it was the toughest thing to take away from this and i don't know if there's a bigger takeaway from this royal series because the the one game i watched was game two you watched every up pitch. In, what are you talking about sorry i said the one game i watched in the hotel oh right 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 sorry it was cut, you two. cut out during that part sorry it must have must have must have skipped yeah, yeah. the other two the other two, I locked myself in the coat closet 
yeah of the like the lobby makes sense and i watched on my phone every pitch yeah came out yeah. after four hours and yeah that's that's important now, I, I, Joey, picking up on your Porlicky thing, though, it may be and the last guy that I usually say anything favorable about is Joe Madden, because uh, Stephen <laughs> knows that I, I really don't like him. I think he thought he was always the smartest guy in the room. But when Joe Madden starts being critical about, you know, guys who are just looking at, you know, statistical things and those guys running the game. And I've heard your interviews with Bloom. I, I literally like him. But at the same time, I think you have to take into effect especially at the end of the year. I mean, he shouldn't make a decision this offseason to re-sign Kevin Prolicki because he's a good guy. Yeah. But you've got some guys you may want to re-sign, including Michael Walker, who I know, Steve, you want to get to, that if that's going to go the wrong way, you should be cognizant of that, you know, to, to be tone deaf to the the vibe in the locker room. When there's two or three guys, we, we each might have two or three different guys we just cut off this roster right now. That yeah. you didn't, you didn't have to move them, even if you didn't play them, you know. Yeah, and no, I, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't, I don't think they should have, with two weeks left, done this. But I'm not going to be devastated oh, yeah. over what's what's happening. It's not. We we should still need to understand who Kevin Plawecki is. He knows he knows what his role is. He's a backup catcher, and they have two catchers that are going to be part of the future of this team, and they want to see more of them. So I understand, but I, I didn't. The point of this was not for it all to be on. Yeah, you know the the impact, but it's more that that should I, I get it that should factor in. And if anything, I think the combo of that with Jackie is the interesting thing to me, because Jackie then being out of the equation and immediately being back what a week later with the Blue Jays and, and making it look like it's the e continuing to look like it's the easiest thing ever to play at the outfield in Fenway Park, which no one that they have he included. I think Kike's Kike's come back down to earth a little bit defensively, and and yeah. I know maybe it's just my eye. I'm playing games with myself, but when he signed the contract, I feel like he's he's ticked it up a a bit defensively. I, maybe that is just me making that up, but um, I, I think overall, it's obviously been a disappointing season for many different you know reasons, and it's going to be hard for Bloom to make certain decisions that are including guys that this team likes. He clearly thinks that those decisions are necessary. Now, the Vasquez one is being criticized a little less considering what you've gotten in return at the deadline and how they've performed, but it can't be overlooked. I mean, Bogey looks so dejected after that Vasquez deal. So that that's part of it. That is part of it. Of like These guys want to know that you still understand that the chemistry of the team matters. So I, I, I think that is important. I think the, the Vasquez discussion and a Ploiecki discussion are way different, obviously, uh, of the importance of, you know, the club, you know, clubhouse and just vibes of the team. But either way, I I'm going to be interested to see if Reese McGuire can be the main catcher for the Red Sox next year. He hadn't played more than 78 games in a season heading into this year. I think Sunday was his 79th game total uh, split between the teams. So we'll see if he'll be able to do that. Do you guys feel like he'll be able to be the main catcher for next season? Yeah, I, I you know, it's worth a shot. I mean, I think that's a position. If you're looking to get defense, don't they have uh, Hernandez in the minors or something? Yeah. Uh, you could get a defensive catcher. I mean, they have so much bigger holes to fill, and we could go to the bullpen and the starting rotation and an impact outfielder would be come way before I talk about catcher. Yeah. Um, and Wong has progressed. He's 26 years old. 
They're uh, about the same age, honestly, which I caught me yeah, off guard. Exactly. I mean, I think that's worth a shot in the sense that you can certainly go into next year, like Joey said, and see how it shakes out, knowing you can always pick up the equivalent of Sandy Leone or something like that if you suddenly needed a guy just to feel the position that yeah. pitchers like throwing to. The the other things to me are way more important. But I mean, both those guys look like they have a little bit of a stick, you know. So and it's a position that you're not necessarily going to need to blow the, the world away with, you know, offensively. It's you, you got your catcher yeah. who's a guy that as long as he has good relationships with the pitchers, they prefer uh, throwing to them, which Reese McGuire, it seems like it's all good feedback. I haven't heard anything uh, negative. What's that look, Joey? If only there was a guy that all the pitchers really liked and really like <laughs> throwing to. The reaction really you're having enjoyed. to this Plawecki thing is like they killed him. Like it's this two weeks. It's just the, the season, dumbest Joey. thing. I'll be totally candid. It's the dumbest thing you could have done. The games don't matter. Let the guys hang out with the guy they like. How Why do they not matter? How do players that haven't had MLB what do these games mean? Joey, what do they mean? You're being crazy. You're being crazy. How do oh, MLB sorry, the, games sorry, the playoff implications here? If they win 19 straight, Joey, the, the, the games don't mean anything. It's the competent. You're playing at the MLB level. That matters. What are you talking about? You're, I agree with your point that other guys. Games don't matter. Just let okay. them let the guys have fun. Let them have fun. Let them like yeah, each other. Yeah, let's let them have fun. Uh, your your point about other guys being like, oh, totally agree. You could you didn't have to let Plawecki go. Somebody else could have gone. But to say Thompson. that MLB games and experience doesn't matter is a little crazy. I'm saying, do these games matter win loss wise? No, experience wise, you're playing against teams that are trying to make the. That's playoffs. what I mean. It's like win loss wise, the games don't account to anything. They don't that they don't mean anything. So like why the experience why, they do mean something. How are you how are you not seeing the experience part but, matters? But who are you gonna call up that you need the ex, need 14 games experience from and that you that you can't cut anybody else besides Kevin Ploiecki for? That's what I'm I'm, I'm over the Ploiecki thing. I'm not trying to harp on no, it too let's much. Spend two hours on it. I I, I agree. <laughs> I agree that it could have been somebody else. I'm there with you. I just think in terms of salvaging what's left in the season. Is 16 games going to be earth shattering? No, but it's more than zero. It just says something. It says something to the guys in the clubhouse. Yeah, that's I, what I think it does. Yeah, I, I'm in between you guys, but I get the idea. We've you've mentioned Walker and Hill. You clearly want to bring Walker back, and you and oh, I were course. talking today, yeah. Steve. I think if he's going to sign for the same money, you'd bring Hill back. So, yeah. given that those guys, I was thinking of the analogy of a guy everyone loved in a former team. It would be like Mike Timlin. If Timlin oh, was time, having yeah. an off year, and let's alumni. say 2009 or wherever the hell it was, he, he wrapped up and he wasn't effective anymore. But he was the guy that go hunting and fishing with and whatever. And I, I've learned, I kind of knew they liked Polecki. I didn't realize how much the veterans did. And so they were close. Yeah, they were close with them. And if you're looking sure. to resign these guys, I'm just saying that's almost, I don't know if it's a missing link that uh, Haim has, that he has to recognize chemistry is a tangible thing. And it, and again, it's not chemistry and changing wins or losses or anything, but it may be the one of the last memories of Rich Hill and Walker is, Haim, you didn't give a shit when you cut this guy. You know, yeah. you, did, you didn't think of any of the ramifications of it. And sometimes that matters. I think the ramifications for a guy that matters um, carried a little more weight with Vasquez because it's two months versus oh, yeah. what we're looking at here. But... Yeah, I mean, either way, it's. I'm just very interested to see what the catcher situation is next year. And we knew Pulwecki wasn't likely going to be back. No. Um, 
I didn't want to be sign him. <laughs> no, and I and he should be somewhere else. I think he's still good enough to play on another on another big league roster. And I'm interested to see, you know, where he ends up. And if he comes back to Fenway with another team, he should get a good ovation for what he meant to this club. But uh either way, we are ready to water talk gun. To well, quick what? last thing, if we can close on this real quick. Water gun <laughs> to your head. Two yeah. water guns, super water soap. balloons. Each of my hand, head. both of your heads, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Two water balloons over each of your heads. Okay. <laughs> you're you're sitting on a dunk tank. Yes. Who are the starting catchers opening day for the Boston Red Sox? Multiple starting catchers. Uh well who who's who's on the <laughs> roster? Who are the two catchers that are on the opening day roster? Water gun to my head. I think it's these two guys. I, I, I do these, too. I, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I, me three. Me three. And if it's yeah. two water guns, then I'm gonna say these guys because it gotta be a little more definitive when it's two. Um yeah, I, I I agree, Dad, with what you're saying about there's just plenty other areas you're going to have to attack before you got to look at the catcher situation. So yeah, that's yeah. that's a big part of it. Yeah, um, the, the bullpen being number one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, the bullpen. I'm sure we'll touch up on that a little bit, but we got to take a break. Coming back, we will talk a little starting rotation, a little Michael Walker, a little Rich Hill. That is up next on episode 60 of Inside the Monster. We are back on episode 60 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster. We're barely ahead of Aaron Judge. We are trying to stay ahead of his home run total. Judge is now at 59. We're at 60 episodes. That's going to be an interesting one to follow the rest of the way. Joe, you think we end up with more episodes this season than Judge home runs? That's really interesting, bro, and it's crazy it's taken us this long to realize that they've kind of been synced up. Um, (laughs) We probably should have before the Yankees series. That would have made more sense. Yeah, maybe, maybe mention that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll there's a lot of a lot of heavy hitters on this fuck on this. New Orleans is a crazy 60. town, man. Yeah, a lot of socks have worn number sixty. Yeah, Tyler Danish, active number sixty. If you would could have given me twenty guesses, I would not have said Tyler Danish is number sixty. And I'm pretty good with the jersey numbers. Um, but a guy that Michael Walker. What's what's Michael Walker? Do you know what Michael Walker's jersey number is? I don't. He's like. I feel like I should remember this. I think he's in the fifties. I think he's, he's had a couple other a couple other great number sixties throughout the years. Henry Owens. Henry oh, Owens. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Hydrava. Hydrava pick, no promise. Yeah. Daniel Nava and Daniel Bard. Ryan LaVarnway, by the way, is Brian great LaVarnway. on and, TikTok. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's Dude, good. He's started like a he's started a pretty good uh he's gotten a pretty good following there. And it's he's he's very funny. I didn't know he was funny. I'm watching these videos. And I'm like, yo, Lavarnway's hilarious. Where, well, where did he, this come from? He's from <laughs> Yale, so he at least is smart. Yeah. <laughs> there's well, a, there's had... another Sox prospect who's on TikTok right now who's really big. I don't remember who it is, but there's somebody Bizarro? on there. It's Bizarro. It's Edward yeah. Bizarro who's real big on TikTok right now. There we go. Uh, you know who's real big on the Red Sox rotation? One guy really stands out, and it's Michael Walker. Michael Walker got the no decision because the Red Sox couldn't get any runs across the board until later in the game in game one of this Royal series. But um, we've talked about dad. I know you, you bring up pitchers records and I, I don't, I did not go with their records anymore. I used to care a lot more about the records, but the fact that Walker only has one loss this year and 20 starts has to count for something, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you're in every game he's in. So, uh, cause again, yeah, you're right. If it's 
you can be 11 and one guys have been 18 and three. Uh, I mean, dice K, <laughs> dice K is the ultimate one. What the hell? Are we, what, was what 18 was he? and three. You just said his record. Yeah. 18 and three. And his average, he, he averaged five and two thirds innings. <laughs> he was <laughs> you know? talk about painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Was, so, but you're right. I think Waka, uh, I guess the only worry I'd have, I think they'll probably re-sign him. I think he likes it here. You know, uh, Kevin Prilicky notwithstanding, uh, He's probably wants two or three years. I don't think he likes the one year contract idea. He's only what, 31 or 32? He's 31. Yeah. He's 31. I mean, you and I, you know, we went to that Cardinals uh, World Series. And he was on that Cardinals team in 2013. I know. You know? Yeah. So, he, he was young. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think he's got the right makeup, I think. And, uh, you never know with injuries, but then you look at Iono compared to Verlander, but Verlander came back off of, uh, and you look at Adam Wainwright, some of these guys, once they get over the hump, they're okay. Yeah. No. And, and especially at this point of a career, right. Where it's, yeah, he's, he's got some miles on him, but Rich Hill's 11 years older than Michael Walker. I think yeah. we need, I know Rich Hill's the, the oldest pitcher, but still, I mean, that's, that's still pretty crazy. I mean, that's a yeah. long time to think back to when your 11 year old was born. Exactly. Yeah, that was a true. long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's his name again? Just eleven year old. Do we have a name yet? I don't yeah. think so. No, you haven't named him yet, dude. I it's know. Up to I, you I, and your old lady to decide. No, I know, <laughs> old lady. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, he signed a one year, seven million dollar deal. Michael Walker is coming off of. Now he's got what three straight one year deals. You had one with the Mets in the shortened season, then the Rays last year. And this season, shout out to Justin. He had some really good Michael Walker stats here. Um, let me just make sure I'm getting this right. Okay, Michael Walker, eleven and one with a two six one ERA and twenty starts with Boston. Prior to Walker, the last pitcher to post an ERA that low and lose only one or zero games in their first twenty starts with the team was Whitey Ford with the Yankees in the 1950s. He was fourteen and zero with a two two four. So it's been a while. It's been a while since that's happened. And this is interesting, too. Now, <laughs> you never want to compare anybody to Pedro Martinez, but this was just the these were interesting stats. This again from Justin, our boy at Sox Notes at Sox Notes, I believe. I always feel like I'm saying his, his handle wrong, but I think I get it right every time. Uh, ERA first 20 starts with the Red Sox. Michael Walker, 261. Pedro Martinez, 272. Win loss, Walker, 11 1. Pedro, 12 and 3. Average opponent average, Pedro, 209. Walker, 216. Whip, Pedro 102, Waka 103. K to walk, Pedro 156 to 37, Waka 92 to 26. Innings, Pedro 142. Obviously, Waka's less with 114. And home runs, Waka 11, Pedro 18. A little different because of the innings pitch there. But I, it was nuts to think that in the first 20 starts with the Sox, Pedro Martinez and Michael Waka have similar stats. So overall, I agree with you, Dad. I think it'll be a multi-year deal he's looking for especially what he's, I mean, these stats are pretty ridiculous for what we expected, but do you think the Red Sox are going to be his home next season? Uh, I think there's a reasonable shot. I, it sounds to me, I've, I've just seen an interview with him where he seems to like the area. Uh, uh, I think there's a reasonable shot, but he's certainly broadened his market. Uh, and even though he had what, two stints on the DL this year, I think. If I'm not on mistaken, the, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, on the IL. IL, whatever they call it. <laughs> uh, but he's bounced back each time. 
Yes. My fear was he would be good until, okay, what happens if a wheel falls off? Can they put it back on? It would be good. And he has been. Yeah. So I, I think that shows me something. In this day and age, how many starts has he made? Uh, 20. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll sign up for that. I mean, overall, I mean, you're not going to get any Bob Gibson's or Mickey Lolich's anymore. So uh, that's, that's what it is today. You need to have seven or eight guys who might between you give you enough, like 130 starts, you know? Joe, you you think he's coming back? I sure hope so, dude, because you need it at least two new arms in this rotation. And if Michael Walker leaves, you need three new. Correct. Yeah. So I would sure hope he's coming back. I like him a lot. Uh, He's also a liked guy. The guys seem to like him. So, so Heim's uh, getting rid of him is what I you're think saying. That, yeah. <laughs> so if that's any indication, Heim's already booked his bus ticket uh, and he's out of here. No, nah, man. I, I I mean, who knows? Paxton's kind of a question mark. Sales, a giant question mark. But I still think you need at least two guys. So I, I hope Waka's coming back. I think he likes it here. Um, if I had to bet one way or the other, I would say, yeah. Um, but probably the last contract of his career. So he might try to go for something long. He might go for three, maybe four years and try to try to, you know, get as much as he can capitalizing on this great year that he's had. But, uh, but who knows, man? I don't know. I, th- I think we've talked about it a little bit already. It's hard to even think about the rotation when the bullpen looks the way it does. It's like, okay, these are like two or three arms that you need, but the bullpen, you need like four good reliable pieces well especially when your rotation only is not going deep i would like to see average innings per starter this year for teams socks got to be in the bottom yeah sure but like if, if you're if you're keeping cutter in the rotation and if brian bayo's presumably i think it's the easier one to say yeah that he's going to be in the rotation you expect they're going to go longer next year than they have this year you would hope so so that considered it's like okay those, those are two young guys come up through the system. Like they, they're maybe going to be a little more reliable. We can lean on them a little bit more, but you still can't give your bullpen like six innings a game. Like, and when your bullpen is Hirokazu Salamora followed by Ryan Brazier, followed by whoever we just grabbed off waivers. So as much as I want to think about the rotation, it's hard not to think about the bullpen the second we mention them. Joey, anyway. it is your uh, last night in New Orleans. I know you are you are heading out soon. You want, you're, you're kicking me off the show. That's I'm all right. You, I'm kicking you off the show. Any? No, you said you had five minutes. Any any closing thoughts? Um, Mr. Peral, if yes. you're looking for a co-host, if you're looking to start a show and you need a co-host, hi, how you there doing? There you go. Okay. Hey, you got you got my number. Okay. <laughs> so I think this is a great duo you got here. I think you and I would go to the moon. Yep. There you <laughs> so go. You let you let me know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I'm gonna get get out there. Uh, we're we're staying like right on Bourbon Street, so um, we're gonna we're gonna pop out there one last there, time. Right? It's just really casual on that street. Yeah, everybody wants to give you a hug, give you money. People have been putting money in my pockets everywhere <laughs> I go. Uh, super nice, nah, dude. I mean, well, I'll give you like the long story when I get back and when my head's a little more on straight. Yeah, but uh, this is a this is a crazy town. People should not really be here. This wow. place is. This, yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. New Orleans is a wild town, especially this part of it. Holy cow. Yeah. But yeah, great Royal Series. Lots of takeaways, lots of implications. It's not over yet. 
it's not, it's not over, over yet. yet. That is true. Joey, thank you for hopping yeah. on and enjoy and say what's up to Jackson. Uh, congrats to Jackson on surviving the weekend as well. I will do, man. And and one more thing. Cutting Kevin Fluecki really makes it feel <laughs> like the time blew. <laughs> on that note, he's coming. on that note. I wish I said I had kicked him out of the studio, but I was going to let him get one more Ploiecki thing in. I don't think I've gotten that animated at Joey ever. He, he was he was caring so much about this. The quotes about Kevin Ploiecki. Would, would yeah, you believe I, that? I, I mean, I do think it's a thing, and it, it, it's kind of like Dan Duquette was kind of accused of the same thing of uh, kind of being uh inert to the personality of players and I, I i think dan wasn't the and isn't the most vibrant guy but i think it's probably a misrepresentation of who he is yeah. you've had him on the show and he really is uh he he gets the whole picture but i i think it is a thing that heim has to look at i mean that is the thing with managers and general managers you have to look what what could i do better and I think the personal side is a thing that you got to weigh in to some extent. I mean, what happens if somebody's going after uh, uh, Michael Walker and they also need a backup catcher? We've seen it happen with somebody. Oh, where guys somebody follow each other, yeah, and they 100%. follow each other. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I, Joey might have overdone the Pulicky thing, but knowing how it, it is something for these guys who are up for contracts to step out and mention specifically that they're upset about it. And yeah. I, I think that's also the disconnect you hear. Alex does a good job of being a good soldier, but every now and then you see like behind the curtain a little bit, he'll drop some hints. He's good at, oh. he's good at sprinkling that in there. Correct. That sometimes some of these things that happen obviously make his job harder. And, yes. And that isn't Heim's primary job. But it goes with the job. Yeah, no, it does. And, and with the rotation discussion, I know Rich Hill is a big part of that. Uh, we had talked about it earlier today, you and I. But I would hope he's back, personally. And the one thing that's just hitting me right now, and Joey and I have mentioned this a few weeks ago, on the broadcast, he had talked about potentially just pitching half a season, which I have a lot of thoughts about. The top one being, I don't know if he has the luxury of requesting that uh, at this point of his career. But would you be okay with that? If Rich Hill was like the se second half of the season in 23 on the Red Sox, or would it be like, here's the deal, Rich, we will give you $5 million again, like we did this year. And we expect you to make as many starts as you did this year, which has value at most of the games. Rich Hill has pitched in the Red Sox have been in those games. By the time he comes out, Obviously, the big issue is that he doesn't go deep into games. I think there's only been three starts this season. He's logged six innings pitched. So where are you at with Rich Hill and potentially coming back for his age 43 season with the Red Sox? Well, again, normally Heim probably wouldn't do that. But I think you have to look at players as human beings and say yeah. to yourself, okay, no one else is going to compare themselves. How old would he be, 44 next year? I think 43, I believe. 43. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like other guys in the team saying, well, why can't I get the deal Rich has? Well, how about you play like, you know, 15 years in the big leagues and you do all these other things and yeah. and you almost set a record for the amount of starts at your age. If you do that, we'll give you the same thing 15 years from now, okay? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Clemens did it once or twice, I, I in believe. Houston, yeah. He, well, he did the play the pitch home games thing, which I had never heard of before, but he only started in Houston. Yeah, that's that's weirder. Uh, I think when you look at it, because I was saying, 
look at Walker. Walker went down for the first time. My recollection is like in June or something like mm. that, right? Yeah. Um, and so if he was gearing up for that, was ready, uh, as long as you have enough starters, because Heim will say the same thing. You need to go into a season with potentially eight starters. I don't want four of those guys to be rookies. Yeah. I, I don't think you go in with the adept saying, oh, yeah, well, we got these, you know, and no offense, I like Nick Bavetta, but, you know, he, he's probably a fourth or fifth starter on a good team, you know. Uh, you probably can four. get, yeah, you can get innings out of him and he'll have stretches where he's really good, like he did the one month he was ex- especially good this year. Uh, but I wouldn't be averse to it. I, mean, I think you get to compensate financially, you know, I mean, pay him on a pro rata basis or per game start. Um, but if that was the reason and he's going to be your, sixth or seventh starter as you look at them yeah i'd do it yeah no i would too and it's going to come down to how many guys are they going to add to this roster i'll be very interested to see that how many new faces are there by next year because if it's the trade deadline approach not many and i have to think that Haim is looking at that and thinking okay you got to think there's a little regret with the deadline approach that you didn't get anything for jd or nate Obviously, the Vasquez deal probably looks better now than it did then. But I am very interested to see how many people they're going to bring in for 2023 and understanding the urgency. You and I have talked about this before, but this ownership group rarely allows back-to-back bad seasons to happen. They want to maybe overcompensate after a bad season happens, an underperforming season, to try to have the Sox in a position uh, for success the next year. So I think that's got to factor into it as well. The urgency has to be there. And if you finish under 500 when you were two wins away from the World Series, there has to be urgency. Of course, there's urgency. That has to naturally create urgency heading into next season because there's a lot of question marks. What would be the first thing you would attack? Is it the bullpen? The bullpen, uh, I would say there's three priorities. The bullpen, mainly because it's so bad. Uh, and, And that isn't like spending, you know, a $50 million four year contract with you know, the, a younger version of Chapman. It's not that it's like, I didn't realize until I read the paper today, how good a year Adam Adovino had. He's yeah. getting the RA just over two. I yeah. mean, there's Daniel Bards out there. There's um, who's the guy with the Cubs now who used to be with the uh, Yankees. Um, Robertson, Robertson. Robertson. Yeah. Give me two or three of those guys. You know, you almost need four to hope two of them work. It's like the year that um, Koji was so good. He was not the intended closer, as you remember, you know, so yeah. he was he was really option three. But you had to at least have those other guys. And then at least you had a guy competent that that wasn't happening with this roster. Uh, I, I mean, if you, yeah. So I think he has to have that. The other thing, and you and I have talked about this. I mean, assuming they they're going to have to trade for somebody, because if you look at the guys who are free agents, it's like Rondone and other guys and Trey Mancini, maybe one of the better outfielders. Uh but I think if he he's true and if he's letting on of how many guys they're trying to get on the 40 man roster that are el- who are capable of being part of a 40 man roster, I would trade three or four of them, you know, yeah. with somebody to get uh, a team that either has the equivalent of like when Chris Archer was traded or somebody else who you're trading just because, oh, it's one or two years from free agency. The deals other teams made when they've got guys from the A's and the Reds last year. We should be that team this year. I know part of the goal this year was the whole luxury tax and the threshold, which also makes me wonder why they didn't get rid of Evaldi and 
Martinez, but if that's it mattered another. that much, they probably would have done that at the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you and I had this discussion again today and, and I, it, it's tough to be the general manager in Boston. I mean, uh, the few, there are fewer baseball fans this year than normal because I think Red Sox fans have become more fair weather in the last mm. 10 years, you know, yeah. that they're followed when they're really good. Um, so they're, they're almost irrelevant because you never even hear them on the sports anymore. I mean, it, it's Patriots 24-7, even though there's many questions about the Patriots. But given that they have to do that, I think he has to, you know, come up with a much better. And I, I'm with you. They're not going to sign Pablo and Hanley Ramirez. That was the most knee-jerk reaction. Uh, or trade for Adrian Gonzalez. There's another case where they didn't understand mechanic. You know, wh- who did they let go? Beltre and uh, and Martinez is is catcher and brought yeah. in guys Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez who didn't play in this market. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping Heim is better at that. Uh, but you and I also had the conversation. They need a good outfielder. You know, oh, uh, big time. Yeah, no, yeah. I, you, know, you had mentioned this, and it's it's a really good point. That you go back year after year after year with the Red Sox, they almost always have a Hall of Fame caliber outfielder, not just an All Star. Correct. So it's it's been constant that one of the outfielders on the Red Sox is at Hall of Fame capabilities and in caliber. And now, clearly, now it's not. You know, you're not looking at that with the setup that they have on on this team. I mean, you have a second baseman playing center, and, and Verdugo. I think it's been solid and right. Overall, I haven't had a lot of like, oh, what's going on there? He lost the ball in the sun. Have you ever seen a team lose a ball in the sun more than this team has? No. It's crazy. It's and, and all the time. About four guys. It's, it's, you know. Yeah, it's not just one guy. So if anything, Durant's probably like, thank God, at least other people are also losing the ball. Um, Correct. But that's been tough. No, but that was that was a good point of when's the last time they haven't had an all-star, even just an all-star caliber outfielder. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, and uh, the top guy they have in the minors now is, I think he's at A-level, uh, Blease, you know, the, the Dominican kid yeah. they signed a couple of years ago, who apparently is a 5-2 player, Cassis raves about him. The kid's not even 19, mm. so he's he's probably two or three years away. He, he'll he be up with, uh, you know, York and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll admire, but yeah. that's, that's too far away. The Red Sox fandom is too immediate. They're not going to wait for that. No, there's no chance. And you can't, uh, because you know, there's just no buzz about this team and, uh, the ownership can't handle that as you made the great point of, you know, in 2012, bringing back the 2004 team, you know, yeah. One of the the funnier experiences (laughs) of the game my dad and I have ever been to, we went to a game in 2012 and they did an eight year anniversary of the 2004 team. And had duck boats. This is like September of the end yes. of one of the most disappointing seasons ever. And duck boats going around, and like I think Tito was up there, which yeah, made it yeah. even a little weirder. <laughs> exactly. The next season, you had Francona on one of the boats. Like, what's going on right now? This is so weird. They're throwing these little squishy baseballs into the crowd. I know. You don't want that. You got to learn from your past mistakes. We don't. We don't want that to be happening again. Um, winding down here on episode sixty, I did want to give a batting title update. Uh, to the minute, this is to the second updated batting title rankings in the American League. Luis Arise, Arise and Bogarts flip-flopped like three times during the games on Sunday. Arise is at 317. Bogey and Aaron Judge are now tied at 316. Judge has made a real push. He was around 300 wow. just like a week and a half ago. He's at 316 now. Uh, and Jose Braves at 309. So uh, for a while, it looked like a two-man race. Now it looks like a three-man race, maybe a four-man race if Abreu gets a little hot here. 
How much do you care about the batting title? I've always cared a lot about it growing up. You know, I know in our computer room there at the old house, I'd be, you know, going in there, going to MLB.com every morning when Bill Miller had a chance. I know Manny almost caught him in 03 and just, I care a lot about it. In September, I'm always following the batting title race. How much do you care about it? And, and do you think it's been diminished a little bit as people seem to act like average doesn't matter anymore? No, I definitely think it's been diminished. I mean, uh, you certainly look at, Tony Gwynn and uh, Wade Boggs, and you're trying to think, okay, because they also were good for OBP, but, uh, but you know, I, I think the power is weighed me a little more heavily than it used to be, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that's where people look at that more and the whole thing, which means judge would blow everybody away. I mean, you would talk about a guy who's had the perfect year leading into free agency. I uh, mean, you look at his, on, on his baseball reference page, what they do is they, they bold a stat that leads the league. His like whole stat line is bolded. <laughs> he leads. Yes. He leads the league in everything. He's over eleven hundred OPS. I'd like to see the list of guys that have finished over eleven hundred. There's some seasons where guys don't finish over a thousand. Correct. And he's at eleven hundred right. It, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, um, but I think you're right. And then to have a right-handed batter in Fenway win a title, I believe the only ones I can recall were Carney Lansford, Nomar. Mm. Uh, all the other guys were lefties or Bill Miller, a switch hitter. Uh, Fenway is generally a better hitter for left-handed hitters, uh, than yeah. righties. Uh, so it definitely matters. And, and you've made the point, maybe it's one of the salvageable things about a regrettable season is that he does that. Yeah. I mean, it makes, they have what, I think seven home games left, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it's going to make that matter a little bit. Like I, I genuinely care about following that. Could be JD's last game with the Red Sox. I don't think people are going to care as much about that than a, a potential batting title for Xander Bogarts. But nothing against JD. It's more just how things have gone this year. It, it, it's been a tough season for him. And I know we talked about it earlier today, but um, I'll be interested to see what his market is. I really don't know what JD's market's going to be coming off of zero innings in the field. Not like that ever helped him, but at least it gives a little more diversity than needing to be a DH full time. And his power numbers, everything's down. He has the go ahead hit there on Friday. For whatever that's worth but yeah it's been a tough season for jd overall and i i think it's you know we've talked about it before but it worked for both sides right you know it clearly worked for him he kept opting in and i think the money overall made sense and he was a huge part of 2018 he'll be remembered fondly this year the further we get from this season i think people will remember it less in terms of what it what it meant for jd red Sox wise people aren't going to forget how disappointing this was coming off of 2021 but you think, I mean, what offers do you think JD is going to get? Because that market's going to be, I think, pretty small, honestly. I would think so. Uh, and what is he going to be, 36 next year? I think he's 35 now, right? Yeah, he'll be right around there. He might, is he going to be, what is he right now? He's 35. Yeah, he'll be 36. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, August next year, towards the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, Pete Abraham had that today that how the parallel, I told you this today, with he and Jim Rice is kind of eerie, you know, and, Rice lost it fairly fast too. At yeah, thirty-five. Um, uh, I think some of Jim's was eyesight that you probably could have done a better job of correcting sooner. But uh, I wouldn't think there'd be much. I mean, otherwise you'd do what uh, Kike did and sign a one-year prove-it contract. Yeah, but what Which does he might do? But, it's hard to but, do one year when you're thirty-six. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's how I was going to finish the sentence. They're going to say it's yeah. hard to do that when you're thirty-six. It's like okay, well now. A year from now, you'd be 37, you know? Yeah. So, and still somebody that's not on his feet much. So yeah. That, and I yeah. agree with you. I think even for the Red Sox, for one of the rare times, I would be okay if they didn't have a DH. Um, yeah. 
because if you're going to have Hosmer on the team and Cassis and uh, Christian Arroyo and Story, let's assume Bogarts comes back. Now I've got enough guys to rotate in there that are lefty and righty that I can mm. give guys days off, and which seems more important. Oh, the other thing I would get in this offseason, Stephen, is a better trainer uh, or a guy <laughs> who can evaluate year. an injury when it happens. The tough year. Spear had say, a really good piece on it. It was a oh, tough year for that. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know who the people are. They're probably wonderful human beings, but they've either misdiagnosed people. How many people have gone down and we think they're back in three or four or five days and they're either yeah. not back for a month or six weeks or the season's over? Uh, I would look at that. Uh, maybe they just had the worst year. Maybe they were like JD and they just had a really lousy year and they're really better than this. But yeah. Uh, it, I mean, Haim references the baseball gods a lot. Maybe a little too much. You might have to uh, you know, yeah, come back yeah. on that a little bit because I know people don't love that. But it was either Jim McCaffrey or Spear had a really good article on mm. um, on how it's eye-opening for a team like the Sox, who have actually pretty typically done well at avoiding a lot of injuries yes, and yes. To, key, to key guys. And that's been a huge part of it this year. But clearly, I think you and I would agree that we don't want this to be looked at this season as like, oh, injuries – Got the best of us. No, 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 no. That's just the tip of the iceberg. There's plenty other issues outside of the injuries that need to be addressed. Um, yeah, you look, at the guy, you look at the guys, the Rays lost, yeah. the Phillies lost. I mean, the Phillies lost Bryce Harper, one of the top six players in baseball, and gained ground while he was I out. Know. And I not know. because he was out. They just played well. Yeah, yeah. You, know? no, you, you have to be able to do it when, you're, when your stars and other players aren't out. And clearly, I think the, a big part of it was obviously the Red Sox had to rely on too many rookies, especially in the rotation. There was a time there in July where you look at the box score, TBD was one of the best starters on the Red Sox. <laughs> it just in terms of appearances. It was constantly TBD, every series. TBD, TBD, TBD. Getting so sick of that. But our series MVPs and closing thoughts are coming up next on episode 60 of Inside the Monster. All righty, we are back on episode 60 of Inside the Monster. It is time for our series MVPs. I'll get mine out of the way. Reese McGuire hits 666 in this series with three RBIs, consistently proving, at least you know since he's been here, that he could be the guy. He could be your starter next year and allow the team to focus on other areas. And you know maybe that does finally close the book on the Christian Vasquez era in Boston. Who do you have for your series MVP, Dad? Okay, this is kind of in the good job, the good effort category, but uh, I guess I'd give it to JD because even in a year where he had trouble driving in guys in scoring position, he got one of our three hits on uh, on Friday. Thank God for the eight walks and drove in a run and actually scored in a sack fly with perfect timing today. With yes, it didn't exactly stick the landing as you said, Stephen, but he did get home, <laughs> yeah. and that was definitely a good effort. It was. It was. JD, yeah. I have never seen someone that hates sliding more than he does. <laughs> it is. It looks painful every time and he gets up like, oh, God, it's like he broke something. He's like, I got to I got to stop doing this. So, yeah, again, I, I'm very there's nothing I, I, I never want to sound negative about JD. JD knows what his strengths are. He knows what his weaknesses are. Sliding is one of the weaknesses. But I will be very interested to see what happens with JD Martinez in the offseason. It is time for closing thoughts. I figure we we talk a little pats real quick. I know we watched the Patriots Steelers game today. I am curious of your general thoughts of this Patriots team now one and one and how things are going to look for the rest of the season. It feels like it's around a 500 team, not just obviously now, but 
down the road uh, closer to the holidays. But what do you think about this Pats team after two games? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, uh, I think you're going to know more. You always know more further into the season. But the Ravens, what did they give up, 28 points in the fourth period so for what is supposed to be a good defensive team? Uh, yeah. You yeah, Tatua, who didn't look that impressive against us. Actually, the defense hasn't been half bad the last two weeks. Uh, I, I think they're kind of thin. I mean, uh, Duggar got nicked up today, but Phillips came back. Their safeties are excellent. Uh, the offense has to be a little better. Uh, it, it's just Mac was not accurate. If I were to project, I think they're going to be either, you know, seven and nine or something or nine and seven, you know, something like that, I guess, or 10 and seven, I guess. No, there won't be nine and eight. Eight and nine or nine and eight would be where I think they're going to be. Yeah, somewhere around 500 feels right. I know they go 10 and seven last year and even had the one seed for a little bit, I believe. I think they were the, the top team I, in the AFC after that Bills uh, Monday night, you know, win fest there. And this, I mean, this Steelers game was their first road win since then. So I know, if it feels I like know. it was a while ago, it was a while ago. But yeah, we'll see with the Pats. I, I think it's, you know, I always look at them as over the years, and even back with doing Section 10, it was always, oh, well, Brady's going to get us to spring training. <laughs> you know, if the season is go well, hey, doesn't matter. Brady's going to get us back to when we're in Fort Myers and everything's all great. And they haven't had the luxury of that, obviously, since he left. But we'll see. We'll see if this is going to be. And also, it used to be when they got to Thanksgiving, their best games are ahead of them. I know. Which, I know. Which really, Brady's last year and the last two years, the opposite's been true. I'd be yeah. more encouraged if they finish strong. Yeah. Yeah, that would you at know, least give you a little bit more energy. Because we think this is a bridge here, all of us anyway. So, you know, that to me yeah. would mean more. Yeah, in closing here, I was curious, because I've thought about this before. I've been asked this a lot of, you know, favorite moment or favorite game, thing that sticks out from Fenway Park. We've obviously, I mean, how many games would we go to in the 90s? You were bringing me games all the time. I remember for your, your company, uh, Jay Cashman, we, you know, I say we had that box. I didn't donate $1 to that box, but yeah. we, had, we had the box seats. And as a kid, I thought those were just going to be like our God-given seats. I, I, I yeah. thought that we were going to be in this nice suite the whole time. And, you know, we're up there for the 99 home run derby, which was awesome. But is there one game that we've been to for you that sticks out of like, oh, remember that moment? I typically point to that Jose Canseco when he hit a home run into the lights. And I think I remember asking you, like, have you ever seen that before? You're like, uh, no, I, I don't think that's really a normal thing to happen because he was obviously on all the juice at that point. But is there one thing that sticks out from a game that we've been to that you remember? I would say uh, the Pedro's home debut, which was kids opening day against yep. Seattle. Uh, he was so dominant. What did he strike out? Like 14, 15 guys in that Something game? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was Scott awesome. Griffey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was probably one of the most memorable games. So the fact I was there with you and Dan uh, added to it. But uh, that would probably be one of the best ones, I would say, you know. Yeah. In terms of importance, like we went to game one of the, the 13 World Series. That was uh, a phenomenal a night. Oh, what that an atmosphere. Awesome. Everyone yeah. thought they were playing with house money, which with 2014, we realized we were because yeah. we finished in the last of the division of the next year. And I, I don't remember a more joyous crowd walking yeah. into a, a playoff game because it, you had you'd been crushed the year before, and they were terrible the year after, mm -hmm. and everything lined up, you know, yeah. that year. I mean, everybody they signed to a one-year contract, uh, you know, whether it was 
you know, uh, Koji or whomever. Everyone played well. Napoli, uh, you know, uh, Gomes. It was just a a, a great year. Sh Shane Victorino. Everything's going to be yeah. all right. I mean, you know, that that was a great that was a great evening too. Yeah, when it comes down to like greatest thing I've seen at Fenway, it's got to be the grand slam by Poppy in game two of the ALCS there. Because, and I, I think that's part of why the house money thing was was the vibe at Fenway because they really should have lost that series to the Tigers. I, I know overall, if you looked at their collective batting average, it was probably in the ones. It was really just a, a couple of huge hits that they had in that series. But I also remember that that, that it was the weather. The weather was great. For game oh, yeah. for a World Series, it was like yeah. warm and just nice, I, I and they got up they got up big early, and so you're thinking, are they just going to sweep the Cardinals? I know they're used to doing that. They're just going to do it again. So, um, I know some you know a little little drama there in St. Louis, but able to come back to Fenway and win in six. So that was definitely yeah. pretty cool. But yeah. but yeah, I mean we've been to we've been to endless games. It's been um, it's been awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, the fact that I'm at this point now is really. I, I know we joke about this, but I'm basically doing what you would have wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is basically what you would have wanted to do. So I'm just I'm playing it out for the both of us. There you are. There weren't as many options back in those days. If you weren't no, Bob Costas or, or Ken Coleman, you didn't have a job. You know, so yeah, yeah. You, you had to get a real job. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. You had to be <laughs> doing real work instead of this. That's that right. Is, that is very true. That's um, right. But Dad, thank you for making uh, your ITM debut. We will have you on in the future, of course. But uh, but yeah, big co-host today. So how, how did it go? How do you think? I thought you were great, but. You feel like this can be a, a future future role for you here? Oh, sure. I mean, it just sounds like you and I talking in the in the family room, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And mom's which, probably like, "Can they stop talking about this? This is going on for too long." <laughs> exactly. No, it, it was a lot of a lot of fun. And uh, you and Joey have a great chemistry. He really makes me laugh. He's got such a quick wit, you know. That He's I funny. think you, you've developed a really good show. I'm proud of you, and mom Thank is too. You. Thank you, know. you. Thank you. I, I, I definitely appreciate it. And yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep growing this thing. I can't think it's going to go this poorly next year for the team. I really can't. I, I don't envision this being back-to-back -back seasons. We're going to have all offseason talk about Xander and all that stuff. But I'd be stunned if this was uh, done again next year. I, I can't see it happening. And I know I'm trying to be optimistic here, but I would assume you would agree that we're not going to see a repeat of this season next season. Well, yeah, I mean, I was looking at the payrolls today and the Yankees, whatever, 226 million, we're 207. And then the, I think the uh, Blue Jays are 180. Then you go down to the the Rays, are like 80 or 90. And yeah. then the Orioles are 40. I mean, you can't do that. Now, to Heim's credit, he's had the tough job of getting them down there, right? And yeah. that's where I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He was kind of had a gun to his head and had to trade Mookie. Uh, people argue you didn't have to, but it was, they were in a tough pickle. He's got no, some, they, they he's got some latitude now. So the rubber is going to hit the road. He's alluding to the fact that this will be a big off season. And that's the understatement of the year is that this will be a big off season. Cause they, the franchise can't afford it. I mean, they're being passed by the other sports franchises in Boston, yeah. you know, and that's not a position that they're, uh, the ownership is accustomed to. You know? Yeah, yeah. A lot of moves coming up this offseason, and we have. I'll just announce it. I like teasing interviews coming up. We got a Jake Peavy interview coming up this week, which I'm very excited about. Jake Peavy, somebody that I've never gotten the chance to talk to. I'm sure, he's got a lot of cool stories. I know you and I just talked about 2013. 
I'm sure, you know, I, I can't wait to dive into where the duck boat's at now. I know we bought that duck boat. So yeah, Jake PV yeah. interview this week will be a lot of fun. Dad, thanks again for hopping on. We were going to have you on in the future as well. Uh, but this is a that's a full episode. I was uh, you can you can send your uh, I'll send I'll send the payment to you. I, I know you're getting paid for oh, this isn't just go. a guest appearance. It's a full this is a full payment here. Oh, I'll just pay you go. back for everything that you've given me. My entire yeah. it'll be covered in this one episode. So that's, oh, your your whole tuition to Endicott in this episode. Yeah, that's going to be covered for this this one episode uh, right here. Totally unexpected. Wow, that's out of left field. I know this is this is great to get all these years later. But uh, next, you'll hear from us. Well, I will probably be heading into this Red Series. Got a two gamer coming up in Cincinnati. Sixteen games left on the 2022 Red Sox season for Joey Capone. For Alan Peralt, I am Steve Peralt. Go Sox, kid! Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer, mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.